Hey, this is Jordan Rich, and you're tuned to On Mic with Jordan Rich. It's great to have you here. If you'd like to connect with me, the email address, jordan at chartproductions.com, C-H-A-R-T, just like a map, jordan at chartproductions.com. Our Twitter is at Jordan WBZ, and on Facebook, it's simply Jordan Rich Show, and I certainly invite you to check all of those out. My guest today is a great friend. His name is Justin Locke. And what can you say about this guy? He's done it all. He's played bass with the Boston Pops world-renowned orchestra for something like 18 years. And in that run, he worked with the likes of Arthur Fiedler and Leonard Bernstein, John Williams, Henry Mancini. He's written music, including a terrific takeoff on Peter and the Wolf called Peter Versus the Wolf, a courtroom comedy based on the classic Prokofiev fairy tale. And this piece has been performed around the world. He's written several books, Real Men Don't Rehearse, a collection of favorite gig disaster stories from his days playing with the Pops, The Principles of Applied Stupidity, Time Light Love, Exploring the Physics of Emotional Energy, and Getting in Touch with Your Inner Rich Kid. As you can see, he's a curious sort who loves to delve into all kinds of interesting topics. The latest book focuses on what he's up to these days. Justin Locke, musician, author, lecturer, consultant, is now one heck of a handyman. So he's written The Handyman's Guide to the Galaxy, Adventures in Professional Home Repair. It's practical and it's very funny indeed. So welcome, Justin Locke. It's time to go on mic. So I'm not used to seeing you without a piece of music in your hands or an instrument or a baton or something. What's this with this change of pace for you all of a sudden? Uh, well, I think it was 2008 hit, and I used to be very much, and you know, you know, I was doing the symphony stuff and uh, Bose Philharmonic, and then 2008 hit, and all of my clients, I had a consulting gig. Uh, they either died or quit or moved out of town or mm. retired. And I think a lot of people went through some big changes right. back then. But this is a change that leads to the Handyman's Guide to the Galaxy, Adventures in Professional Home Repair. I loved it because who among us doesn't have some experience in this, usually asking for somebody like you to come and help us. Right. But it's really a, a very clever, as is the case with any of your projects, very clever look at life as a handyman. Well, thank you. Now, it happens for you sort of by accident. You had the request to help somebody, right? Well, you know, I was a lot of my clients left. And I, I'm a project manager guy. You know, I put on a suit and I manage projects for corporations. And I ended up uh, an electrician. That my, like I have to credit my sister. She hooked me up with an electrician. He needed a guy to come in and manage the business. And it was just one or two guys, three or four. And so I didn't know anything about amps or ohms or, you know, an outlet. or. Mm. And here I'm – basically I was answering the phone and doing the schedule. Okay. Now, how long does it take to put in an outlet? I didn't know that, but I had to schedule it and then schedule a whole day. So it was a very steep learning curve with this guy who was a master electrician. He was a really great guy, uh, Dignan Electric. I'll give him a plug. Sure. So, But he's kind of semi-retired now, but he still works. So uh, bit by bit, I, I was just, you know, one of those things where you sink or swim. But after a while, I started to notice patterns, and one of which was this guy was minting money. Mm. You know, electricians charge one fifty, one twenty-five an hour, sure. something like that, and they're always in demand, oh, constant demand. We tried to hire another guy because we were so busy, mm -hmm. and put, ran ads, calling, you know, went to the union, and then we found out every other electrical company in Eastern Mass had like five thousand dollars signing bonuses, <laughs> trying to find a licensed guy to come and because it's hard work, but yeah. you know, so. But this guy was just minting money. I mean, mm -hmm. it was just coming, hey, ding dong, that'll be $225, please. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we would go from here to there. And 
I was just chatting with one of his customers, and uh, again, my sister was saying, why don't you be a handyman? You're always good at fixing things, which I am. Mm -hmm. And I just mentioned to this woman in Dorchester that I'm thinking of becoming a handyman. And she said, what are you doing Monday? I said, well, you know, i got to do these phone calls in the morning. I come down. So she, she booked me on the spot. Did you know going in what she had in mind? No. So this is pretty much a new adventure. Oh, my goodness. What if it's something I can't handle? How do you know what it is? I, you, you don't. And most of, you have, there's a certain cowboy gunslinger personality that you have to have in this work because you're going into the unknown, mm. you're into that cave with Darth Vader. You know, you're just like, I don't know what's in there. And you have to be really ready to think on your feet and be ready to fail and back up and ask for help. And But this is you in terms of your old career. You've always been a problem solver, as you say. Yeah. It, but now you're working with your hands in in apartments and Victorian homes and all over the place. Yeah. And you've got a job to do, and you, you figure out a way to do it. Well, well, the great things about it, I mean, as a speaker, which I love, still do, mm -hmm. and uh, as an author or as a bass player or whatever, video producer, you're always on the scuffle. You're always trying to get the next gig, you right. know, and you're scared to death of losing this customer. When I work with – I learned this with the electrician. You, you look at the phone, and you just say to yourself, stop ringing. Please stop ringing. You know, when you left here, you know, to, you know, get, get ready for this, I got a call from a guy who wanted me to put in a faucet. You realize when you walked in, and I haven't seen you in a while, and it was great to see you. The first thing I said was, did you bring your tools? You must get that everywhere now because every, you're now known as the guy, the go-to guy. Yeah, I mean, I thought people would think, look down on me for, you know, going into this lower class kind of work, which I always thought it was. And I thought, gee, maybe my friends won't like me anymore. Are you kidding me? They're booking me hours and hours. So let's digress a little bit and talk about you and those early jobs because I love the story of the woman, the older lady with the, oh, the, the, glass the fixture. Globe. Oh. with the glass globe. And oh. by the way, <laughs> as you tell the story, I'll tell the audience listening, that happened to me where water, it was like the, the Stooges, the water poured into a large glass bowl uh -huh. kind of lamp. Up on the ceiling that's been there for 55 years. me out. But yeah. tell the story briefly because that's a great intro. Oh, okay. Well, this I was fixing a window in Newton Highland someplace. And it was a, well, there's never like a beginning or end of the story. <laughs> One couple found me on nextdoor.com or something. And then I came over, fixed their, because those ropes on those old wooden windows, they break all the time. Mm -hmm. so, and I love fixing it. It's one of my favorite jobs to do. So I'm doing it. And as I'm doing it, she says, I, I got to call my neighbor. Because it's the same house, you know, same architect. He comes over, books me on the spot to come and fix all his windows. Oh you know, because where are you going to get a guy to do this? No. It's just not something. So they had actually warned me about this lady across the street. But, you know, I, I, I like to tickle the dragon's tail. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm outside packing up. And this lady, she's like 95, she says, uh, you're a handyman, aren't you? I said, yeah. I says, would you come in and look at stuff? And I'd been warned not to go in there. But I still went. And I go into the kitchen and I look left. And here up on the ceiling is a big glass bowl. Uh, you know, the, the holding this a, Edison a base, fixture. a light, light yeah. fixture. It's about as big as a basketball, but it's half full of liquid. <laughs> and I'm assuming this is water, but now you're looking at, now I can't walk away because that would be criminal negligence. Because, you know, now I've seen it. Now I know it's there. Mm. I didn't do anything about it. Mm. So if that falls down and kills somebody, they say, well, that handyman didn't do it. You know, you, I don't know. Maybe, Your maybe mind is The mind is spinning. Spinning. And also, there's just an ego to this work. You're the hero. You're right. the guy who can do it. I'm tough. I can handle this. 
So I just, I got to get this thing down off of there. So I didn't have my ladder with me. So she's got like an inverted bucket step stool. I get up on this thing. I'm holding this greasy old light fixture in my left hand. It's got what, 25 pounds of water? I'm assuming it's water. Let's just talk about what could happen in a case of liquid of any kind and electricity. Not good. Not good. It only takes 0.8 amps, I think, to kill you if Mm. it runs through you the right way. And also, what a lot of people don't know, and I didn't know this, is that just because you throw the switch on the wall, that doesn't mean there's no power up in that fixture. Because sometimes it's called a neutral switch. It's a code violation, but they Mm. get lazy, and the power's up there all the time. So if that water sloshed up into the fixture and you had your left hand, if you're steadying yourself on a cold water radiator pipe, You know, so much for your epidermis. Suddenly you your look like Larry Fine. Your yeah. hair is sticking up and you're no longer the uh, effusive Justin Locke. How did you solve that issue well, ultimately? Was, well, there were three little screws that hold over on the lip of the thing. Of course, it's only supposed to weigh one pound. It weighs 27. And you don't know what you're dealing with in terms of who did the wiring up there. But I unscrewed it. I very carefully got the thing down, stepped down on the step stool, got down on the floor. We emptied this thing out. And I handed it back to her, and uh, she actually stiffed me. She didn't pay me anything for that. Well, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that in a moment. But the feeling of accomplishment, you write about this throughout the book, the sense that I came in and not only did I I fix something, but I changed that person's life for the moment at least. Oh, yeah. And in, in some cases, you're, you're doing things that like protect a family because you're fixing things before they really start to fall apart. Oh, I, I mean, I, I didn't get into some of these things in the story. There's some houses that I work on regularly that just have god-awful electrical problems, you know, mm. that old knob and tube stuff, and then people start fiddling with it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had a house, they had a knob and tube wire quickly is the old, old-style wire from 1920. It has no ground. And I had one house in a basement. Someone had taken other electrical wire, and they had just scraped off the the insulation from the knob and tube, which is exposed up in the, the, the ceiling. And they just tied a wire onto that because they wanted power to a lamp on the other side of the basement. You know, no ground, no no fixed. It, and Amazing. One dog running through, and your whole day is ruined. <laughs> so let's talk about the, the payment issue because that's fascinating. There are people who assume – Right off the bat, you know, you've got a particular hourly rate. We're going to pay you. Whatever. But then there are other people who just think, oh, what a nice young man who just came by to fix this. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Why is that? What, what's going on there? I, well, you know, I've written another book called Getting in Touch with Your Inner Rich Kid, which is all about how people think about money. And you, my brother is a locksmith, and he used to tell me these stories for decades, and I didn't believe him. I By the way, your was, brother's name is Locke, and he's a locksmith. Yeah, that's correct. I locks, it. locks, locks. It's in Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, give him a plug, too. Uh, he's very good. He mints money. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, you know, if the car's locked and the dog's in the car, you know, oh. you'll pay anything to anything. get that door open. Anything. What, anything. Oh, how much do you want? We'll give you the, the anything. Uh, that's the nature of the biz, that there's leverage in it. Uh, but some people are not used to the concept of uh, coming to a house. They don't get the idea that it took a lot to get to your house. That's why people charge a minimum service call fee. This is a word I learned. It's called a service call. And so that's for an electrician. You know, it's 125 bucks for a service call. Mm. He may only work for 10 minutes, or he may solve the problem in two minutes, but you still owe him $125. Mm. 
because he came to your house with a and, a and you're paying for all of his training and ability and experience as well as exactly his time. exactly That's but then you run into all kinds of different cultural attitudes towards uh, well you know one client I'm sure she'll never listen to she's she some people have tricks like they'll pay you for the two hours and then they leave. But it takes me two and a half hours to do it. Mm. And I find myself working for free for an hour. You know, this, th- these are the exceptions. I want right. uh, Most people understand that they have to pay the guy. And so, so let's talk a little bit about your attitude as this starts to unfold. It's 2008, 2009. Things change. We know that. Uh, was it a, a, an adjustment for you mentally to say, now I'm doing work with my hands? Very much so. Okay. Because I... Uh, this is the, giving away the last chapter of the book, but you know, I was a star student, you know, and I remember in ninth grade, tenth grade, I was you know cold from the herd because there was all these guys doing wood shop and welding classes, and I mean, I took mechanical drawing, but then the, oh well, that's that you're going to take you know Spanish and French and you know uh, medieval history, and we're going to send you to college. You're going to be the the bright one. You're going to be the bright one. You're going to know all, yeah, all this academic scholar. And I, I, okay. And I was constantly implied, not overtly, but it was just a constant implication. I don't think I'm alone in this, that I was better than those D students mm. who went to, you know, Penta County Vocational School. That was kind of like, well, you're you're a failure. You got you get Fs. So we're going to teach you how to do this basic stuff uh, with with uh, wood and pipes and electrical wire and stuff like that. And I really got a sense of being a, somehow a superior being uh, mm. from that. And I'm not, I don't think I'm alone in that. A lot of people kind of have that. Because sense. you've now noticed while people react to you because of what you do, it's, it's fascinating. You write a little bit about it in the book. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, mean I know some people, if I, I tell them, uh, well, I'll be doing talks on Real Men Don't Rehearse. And this is all very she-she, you know, in the symphony. <laughs> yeah, it's white wine crowd. Yeah, the white, exactly. You know, we're talking, so I was talking to lady the other day and I said, well, and, and I said, hey, you know, this is a, you know, well-off community. I'm talking to Wellesley all the time. And I gave her my card. And I could see her face drop because she was so used to me being this, uh, you know, higher, you know. I, I had a friend who used to think that she said, I always thought people in the symphony ate ambrosia for breakfast, you know. <laughs> and you're ruining all that for me. And I said, yeah, but uh, I was very, you know, kind of thing. well, uh, and I was, if you watch po- popular culture, I, I'll, Seinfeld's a good example. Whenever you see someone who works, who who's a you know does manual labor, they're always overweight or mm. a little slow, like mm-hmm. putty. The guy works in the garage, mm-hmm. you know. There's as opposed to the people who sell real estate and work in publishing. It, it the the way the people who do plumbing and exterminators, they've always got a pot belly. They're not really attractive, right? Like, like the stars who right. have interesting. And, and even the ter- I'm going to say it. Even the term handyman, people are thinking of goober pile because it, yeah, we're not thinking of. By the way, I have to ask you this question. Sure. Is, is it politically correct? Or do we say handy person these days? It's still a handyman, right? It's mostly men. Mostly I've, men. I, okay. I do hear the word handy person from time to time. <laughs> Here's the big problem with handy, handyman, handy person, whatever, handy being, uh, is that there's different grades. I mean, there's guys who are contractors, who can build a deck, who can uh, install plumbing. And, and then there's me. I just do what my old landlady used to call a piddly jobs. And I paint, you know, I'll fix a toy, uh, you know, put a sconce back on. I, I can't do, you know, I, don't, I, I can't. You carpentry. fall into a very important category. You're the 
I've got a guy guy. Yes, I am right? that. I am that. And and it's amazing, as you say, how business builds upon business and you get referrals. And all of a sudden, if you're working for Myrtle one, one day, uh, you might be working for three of her bridge partners the next week. Absolutely. They, it's they, fascinating. They, they just call and ask. And Go ahead. All right. Got to talk about YouTube because to me it's the greatest invention since oh. sliced bread. But it, and I I've used it to try to figure out how to cook a piece of fish. But tell me about the YouTube help in in learning. Well, what I there's a great cheat that I've learned when, when I was first starting. I mean, I know, knew a few things, but people throw stuff at you that you just I, I didn't know how to do aluminum you know vinyl siding repairs. So you go to YouTube, and well, the best thing is to get them on the phone or an email. They send pictures, and then before I call them back, I go to YouTube, and mm. you know then I have know something as opposed to knowing absolutely nothing. Can mm. I do this? There's a couple of rules. One is if it's only Tommy on this old house doing it, and there's nobody from Arkansas doing the same job, beyond me, can't do it. <laughs> I need to have like seven guys, you know, yeah. in a backyard with a pickup truck and say, let me show you how to do this. And then, then I can do it. And if it, Tommy is bringing in an expert to do it, then, oh, forget it. You know, mm. they, they can't do it. But even then, a lot of people, I don't know what they're up to on YouTube. Are they making money on this? I can't figure it out. Yeah, they're just sharing this information. There are millions of YouTube selections now, and so many of them are instructional. I wonder about that myself. I think some of them monetize it. But here's the problem. Not everybody on YouTube is a bona fide expert. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I burned some fish as a result. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I was learning how to caulk a, a bathtub. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I was like, how, how do you do this? I, I went to YouTube, and there's one guy, I'm the expert, I'll show you how to do this, and he had this system. And then another guy said, I'm the expert, and he had a completely different system. Then the third guy says, ignore everybody else. Mm. I'm going to show you how to do it. Uh, and, and I finally figured it out, and it was all these chemicals and things. I'm, I'm, now I'm an expert at it. I, I laughed out loud throughout the book, but the one chapter I want you to tom uh, comment on, Justin, is the throne room chapter. <laughs> because as people are reading the book, you know, he, you talk about all kinds of fixings and all kinds of contraptions and tools you need. It's all in there, but then you get to the, the bathroom. And this is where the action is, really. I mean, this is what matters to a lot of people. Tell the story about the throne. The throne. Okay, well, this is a house. I still work on this. It's one of my favorite clients, actually. He's a great guy. But it's one of these big, big old Victorian houses, and they cut it up into three apartments. So, of course, you know, there's like a you know, thing there. But anyway, down in the basement, which is uh, quite, quite a scene, at some point somebody was living down there illegally you know because you know, there's laws about how many people can live in a building and how many apartments you can have and mm. uh and you know so somebody decided to live down there but not legally so they had a uh how can i put this so there's a shower stall it's still there next to the laundry room for the tenants and then there was a series of steps leading nowhere and i just couldn't figure out what is this? And then finally, I figured out that there was a sewer pipe down there that was about two feet above the basement level. And for a toilet to work, it has to be above the sewer pipe. So they couldn't put the toilet on the floor because the sewer pipe was too high. <laughs> so they built a series of steps up to a little dais, if you'll part, you know, the perfect word for it. Yes. And they, 
I figured out they put a toilet at the so you had to go up four steps and kind of sit you know survey the whole mm. you know your kingdom from up there in in this little little space they removed the toilet since but that's that's why that was there you find out so many things about individuals people families when you when you walk into a home whether it's the way it's stuffed with stuff or is very neat and tidy. The code oh, yeah. issue is a big issue. The code. Code. Oh, we could spend the whole time talking about code. Code is fascinating. Explain uh, what we're talking about here. Okay. It, when you build a house, uh, there are state and county and town codes. Uh, thinking of an example, if you, are in, built, if you are building a new bathroom, your outlets have to be what's called GFCI protected. That's a little push button on it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's if you plug in a toaster and throw it in the tub, it will shut off automatically. So that is the code. When you build a new house, I mean, your staircase, the risers have to be a certain distance. Uh, you may have to have a certain number of smoke detectors when you build a house. And you see those little yellow stickers with a B on it outside people's houses? Yes. That's, yeah. called, that's called pulling a permit. I don't know why they say pull it, but you go to the town and you pull a permit. And the town gets 75 bucks or whatever. You stick that in the window. And then when you're done redoing your, your, your addition or your new bathroom, the, the guy from the town comes and he looks around for code violations. You know, do you have a GFC outlet, do, GFCI outlet? Do you have a, a smoke detector up in the ceiling? Do you have the, the stairs the right way? Do you have the right number of lights? Code includes a number on your house. That, that is a building – that's a code violation if you don't have that. If you don't have a number on your house yeah, indicating correct. the, the – I, I failed an inspection once with the electrician. Hmm. I was there to do something else, but I was there to meet the inspector. And he said, I, I can't sign off on your building permit. There's no number on the house. <laughs> so we had to – you know, somebody had to be there for two hours and wait for this guy. It's expensive to have to wait for inspectors. And, you, you know, you worship the inspectors because hmm. if they can shut you down automatically. Well, what people don't understand and the story I try to tell is that once a house is built in 1880, it was up to code in 1880. And you really don't need, if it doesn't have GFCI outlets, well, you should have them. But no one's going to arrest you if you don't because you were up to code and your grandfathered in with an old house, if that makes sense. So, and so a lot of people will come in and say, oh, that's a code violation. You have to hire us to come in and redo your stairs because you're in violation of code. And people will hear that, and they're suckers. Like, oh, I have to hire this guy. Uh, no, you, you leave it. Leave it alone. Well, that's probably the biggest pet – well, two pet peeves on, on the side of consumers. One is nobody gets back to me when I call. Oh. Right? I'll have you address that, that in a moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the other one is, you know, I don't know what this guy's telling me. It, he says I need a whole new staircase in the back leading from the deck, and it's going to cost ten grand. Is is that correct? You always want to get a second opinion maybe. but A third or fourth. Let's start with the, uh, the first issue I raised. Which one? I can't remember. I have no idea what I just said because I get all excited. No, about not calling back, about the infrequent contact that occurs. And you mentioned the electrician you worked with. He was overrun, right? He had so much going on. Well, looking at it from various perspectives of this, and and I I always – maybe I'm just reading this into it, but I always felt there was a bit of class warfare going on because I observed some people who could have been on time, but they just decided to have coffee and have a cigarette and make that lady in the $3 million house – Sit there and wait for him. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of get back from going to Penna County Vocational School and being told that you're not as good as me. Mm-hmm. Well, that may be, but you got to wait for me now. 
And uh, there was always a little bit of that, you know, passive aggressive stuff. I, I always was, was sense about that. The other thing was, you know, when I went, well, I still speak from time to time, but I did a lot of studying up on management theory, you know, reading Peter Drucker and books like Good to Great and all that stuff. And customer service is really, you know, it's not that hard to do. You know, if you say you're going to be there at one o'clock, that's like writing a check. You have to be there at one o'clock. It makes it makes a big impression on people when you show Absolutely. up on time. Absolutely. And when you're late, that makes another impression on them. Certainly. So I always make sure that you know I show up, or if I'm going to be late, I text them and say, "Hey, I'm running late," and give them that. But you're a one man show at very the much so. And at, I wanted to ask you about the skill sets beyond fixing things on the spot and having a sense of. Okay, problem A, solution B, et cetera. Organizationally, have you had to change your style? I mean, have you had to update your your phone, your calendars? I, I mean, what have you done differently now that you're the guy? Actually, I actually took what I learned from Pops and That's you the, know, the Pops Orchestra. Boston Pops and the way they ran it. And Toyota Lean Manufacturing, uh, which no one knows about. But this is where – this is the big management philosophy these days is Toyota Lean, and it's all about efficiency mm-hmm. and you know, just-in-time inventory. I could, the five whys, I could talk about that forever. But uh, I just brought that. I mean, for example, when I was working for the electrician, he had no system. Here's a guy. He's got so much business that he had no one to do the invoices. And he would like try to take a, an afternoon on Thursday and catch up on his invoices and try to remember, well, how many outlets did I install in 48 Harrison Street? You know, it was just, and I looked at this, I said, who's in charge of this? <laughs> People were calling to complain that they hadn't gotten an invoice. I hear that a lot. I hear yeah. that a lot from, and I'm in small business, a different kind of business, and you have to be uh, on top of things, getting back to people, but you also want to follow through. And that's yeah, I mean, it's, it's the whole so the whole thing important. of soup to nuts. So, again, Toyota Lean, I just said just-in-time invoicing. I instituted a system where as soon as he was buttoning up, cleaning up for a job, call Justin. I would type the invoice and email it to the customer before he left the house. Oh, brilliant. That's a great idea. You know, he was, you know and, and that just solved that mm. complaint problem, et cetera. Uh, but things like that, most people I learn are really not terribly organized in this regard. They, they kind of come in when they feel like it. And, you know, hopefully, I mean, I like to get paid on the spot. That's one of my favorite things because I, I, I have no, I'm only one guy. I, mm. I, I can't do accounting accounts receivable and stuff like that. Mm. So, okay. But that's one of the beauties of this work amongst many. I wouldn't be thorough enough. This wouldn't be a thorough interview unless I asked you about the tools. What <laughs> tools? The same tools we've been using over the last 10 years. Here we go again. The tools. Uh, that's a big topic. Which it, it is. And uh, I'm always impressed when in the past, I don't live in a home anymore. I live in an apartment, so it's different. You know, you call yeah, the guy downstairs, he fixes the toilet. The guy, right. But uh, I was used to be impressed with, you know, whatever expert came to the house with the kind of tape measure that I can only imagine a professional would have. It's just impressing. Oh, yeah, they're diamond studded. Diamond <laughs> And there's YouTube videos on how to use the tape measures. You know, there's little diamond marks on that. That's for if you're doing uh, a joists on a ceiling. There's marks on the tape measure specifically for I thought how it was to... just decoration. Nope. All those little marks mean something. Every wow. single one. And to, to, so, well, I don't build roofs, so I don't need to know that. I was really, it was pretty stark when I started. I had a an old uh, corded drill, 
and a basic toolkit with a screwdriver and a hammer and a saw. Mm. And I can't believe uh, I was making do with that for the first few months. And then I got a cordless drill. But then you start running into things and you say, there's got to be a tool for this. And of course there is. Do you get like chills up your spine when you oh i do yeah see a new piece of equipment that you want you go down i just bought a uh box cutter from from uh home depot the other day oh my god it's made by uh, dewalt and it's just you know it has a little thing it's it's like a switchblade knife and it has a little container for the blades and it's just it's heavy it feels good in the hand i don't know why i just thought of this but the you're the kind of guy that would show up if you really wanted to make this a huge marketing deal, you could show up with your tuxedo from the orchestra <laughs> and your bass just to have – by the way, I'll play you a concert after the show, after I fix your drink. Well, that I, – I guess – I don't want to put ideas in your head. That's also. right. I don't know. Well, that's that, that, would, that would confuse people to no end. It confuses But for some now. of those dowagers in those three or four million home, dollar homes, you, you might have a side gig on top that's of that. Yeah, so, but, you know, i got another gig to get to. You that's know? true. You've got so, to hustle off. And, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving – when I leave here, i got to go fix a bunch of outlets. There's grout to be dealt with. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I've known you a long time. We've had the pleasure of chatting on air and off, and uh, I, I was admittedly a little surprised to know that this turn had happened. So the final question, and have you comment on this, is the impact of this on other people and how their uh, – you mentioned earlier how certain impressions of you changed when they found out what you're doing. You've learned a lot about you've learned a lot about people in this exercise. Oh yeah, you really you when when you're doing business with people, you're going into their house and you're going to do something and they're going to give you money. This is a form of intimacy. The mask comes off and you start to see how people really feel about themselves because money and respect and shame and people who have a lack of inner respect, they have difficulty giving other people respect in terms of money. Mm. Whereas people who have a lot of inner respect, they're happy to give you money. They give you more than you charge because they're so happy to see you and want to you know, encourage you to come back again. Uh, and, they, and people have wonderful facades and you know, beautiful houses. I've seen you know, people in these $3 million houses, and they just have absolutely no self-respect. Mm. And, and, and it shows because they can't speak to me uh, without, you know, just, just, you see it, you know, it comes to the fore that they kind of don't feel good about themselves. Well, I'm thrilled that I now have a new guy (laughs) that I can recommend to people. And, uh, Uh, I don't, don't recommend uh, uh, a new rule. I never recommend anybody. Really? Because if you recommend somebody and they come over and screw up, well, you, you are now customer service. Well, okay, but I'm putting a lot of faith in you because I've known you for a long yeah, time. Well, you generally don't the screw first, up. The first call you get, you'll never recommend me again. <laughs> <laughs> you set that guy and he set my house on well, fire. Well, I'll tell you What's what, I, what you? I can recommend is that people catch you in one of your many speaking engagements. There is a whole list on your website, I know, uh, and you do a talks on a variety of subjects. I do. Mostly uh, it's real men don't rehearse these days. I've gotten into the uh, the assisted living communities uh, the retirement communities. Excellent like audiences. I do a lot of that myself. Oh, okay. Well, then you know, and they're, they're constantly on the lookout for okay. uh, people to come in and talk. So that's kind of, I'm on that circuit right now. All right. Well, don't say circuit. You're a handyman. I might have you <laughs> tweak a circuit breaker or something. Hey, thank you so much for coming by and sharing some of your fun stories. And the book is really funny. The Handyman's Guide to the Galaxy, Adventures in Professional Home Repair. Douglas Adams, a nod. I appreciate that very much. 
Well, thank you very much. We har- we hardly got into it, though. I mean, the, well, there's so much. What I love about it is, you know, your turn of phrase. Let's put it that way. You haven't you haven't lost anything off of your literary fastball. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. And no, people no, can go you. people can go to Justin Locke with an e at the end dot mm-hmm. com. Yeah. All Although that. I kind of live two different lives here, so you got to actually you should Google Justin the Handyman. Justin the Handyman. And yeah, that'll take you, hopefully, well, there's 55 Justins the Handyman throughout the country. But oh. if you find me, then you'll find my blog, which I take all my more interesting jobs and put pictures up. Okay. And you can see what I so do. So it's kind of like Finks who get together in Texas once a year. There, you ever thought about forming a people named Fink? There's, oh. a, there's a whole community of people. Hundreds of them get together. Do you ever think about uh, uniting with other Justin Handyman? I kind of, you know, well... I don't like other Justin Locks. I feel like that's my name, and I have the website, <laughs> yes. so I own that. But, uh, yeah, I, I never thought of that. Uh, but I don't know. Those people, you know, I don't want to associate with those nah, class people. <laughs> hey, have fun on the trail, my friend. That's the important thing. Hey, yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Please pass it along to others in the business and beyond. We really appreciate it. And many thanks, of course, to my compadres, Dan Tebow and Ken Carberry. In closing, as we end every show, be well so you can do good.